Be joined by Jeff Curry, covers the NFL for CBS Sports and the Eagles for ESPN Radio down in South Jersey. Um, Jeff, we were talking about Jalen Hurts in our last segment, and I want to ask you kind of a two-part question. Um, Where are fan expectations for Jalen, and what do you think are realistic expectations from your point of view going into this season for him? Hey, Doug. So from Friday's preseason game, there were a lot of things to like about Jalen Hurts, and he did one of two things I specifically want him to do was, and that was be a little more – how can I put this – in best terms, go to the middle of the field. And he did that on a couple of plays on Friday. And, again, Eagles did score on a touchdown drive, but Hurts also took a hell of a down hit from Quincy Williams. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the hit by now. But And a lot of people are criticizing Hurts because he kind of took off right away. But if you rewatch the game and from my season in the press box, there didn't look to be anybody open. So Hurts took off, tried to get as much as he could. I don't think he expected to get hit going out of bounds. I don't think any of them did. But Nick Seriani put out a good point. Everybody wants Jalen Hurts to stay in the pocket more. But that also takes away from the added dimension of the game. So, And he could get hurt in the pocket, too, which is what Sariani pointed out. So there were a lot of good things to like as far as fan expectations. I think they expect Hurts to get better. I don't think they like him running as much, but that's a part of his game. And when you have 780 yards and 10 touchdowns, you got to utilize that as best as you can. Yeah, we. I'm fascinated by the dynamic, too, with running quarterbacks because we saw it in Kyler Murray's contract where they're saying, we like that you run, we want you to run, uh, we're going to incentivize rushing touchdowns and yards, but also please stay healthy, please stay on the field, and that's the way you'll make the most money. So teams are constantly, especially with the new era of quarterback, trying to figure out what they want these guys to do. Um, not a runner, but elsewhere in PA, let's talk Kenny Pickett because – I am also fascinated by uh, the conversation around him and the quarterback situation with the Steelers. Um, Mitch Trubisky is there. He's making a lot of money to be the starting quarterback on a team that realistically is never going to rebuild. And there's Kenny Pickett playing well against, albeit second, third string uh, defenders. Um, But where do you think he fits as we go uh, closer and closer towards week one? So I thought about this, too. Is Mitch Trubisky really making a lot of money? Is $12 million a lot to pay for a bridge quarterback? I I don't know. I I still think Kenny Pickett should be the starter week one. And I was pretty impressed from what I saw on, uh, was it Friday or Saturday? Saturday night. So what I liked about Kenny Pickett is, and again, he is facing guys that probably will not be in the league. But I liked his command of the offense. I thought they ran more of Matt um, Canada's offense more than – I, we should say a Kenny Pickett or a Mason Rudolph. Oh, by the way, Mason Rudolph, I don't know how he's in this quarterback competition. We shouldn't be hearing his name. It's not. It should be a two-team race here. Yeah, exactly. And it should be between Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. If they want to go with Mitch Trubisky to start the year, I'm okay with that. But I think they should just go to the ground running, Kenny Pickett week one, as you said, Doug. It's a rebu- they don't rebuild in Pittsburgh. And their offensive line's better. They still have a good defense and. I'm going to say this. George Pickens is the truth. Everything you keep hearing about George Pickens, he's going to be a really good player. So I, I, I like what Pittsburgh did this offseason. I, I don't know if they're going to be an AFC title contender by any stretch of the imagination, but in a year I feel like where the AFC is very deep, very top-heavy, play Kenny Pickett and let him learn on the fly and see what you got. You drafted him 20th for a reason. Yeah, and and yeah, it's not a, a top tier roster in the NFL, but it's also not, as we both said, a, a rebuilding situation where you know you'd be throwing Kenny Pickett out there and uh, you know he'd lose fourteen games. He has the ability to win in year one, and if he uh, earns the job in the preseason, I've got no issue with him winning it. 
um, elsewhere in that division. Um, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's basically said, I don't want to negotiate as soon as the season starts, which in his case, even though it's not a real deadline, if he's his own agent, Jeff, then he probably doesn't want to negotiate during the season. He should be focused on himself and his play. Um, what do you see as the most likely outcome for Lamar Jackson? Well, I think in Baltimore's outcome, you better get a deal done with Lamar Jackson because I have a feeling he's going to have a big year no matter if he signs or not. And if he does, $50 million turns into $60 million really quick. And Lamar's having his cake and eating it too because, again, he does represent himself and he's worth that. Everybody says he can't throw. Yeah, he can throw. He's actually a really good thrower. It's what has Baltimore given him to throw to? They, they traded the one guy he could throw to uh, at wide receiver. So I think Rashad Bateman's going to be good. James Prochet, I think he got hurt this weekend, which Baltimore likes him. But, again, that, that's not a sexy name. That, that doesn't wow me. So I think Baltimore needs to upgrade at receiver. I just don't think they're going to do that this year. But I still think Lamar's going to have a huge year with J.K. Dobbins coming back, with Gus Edwards coming back. I, I think they're going to go full Greg Roman offense here. I, I just think Lamar's going to have an MVP-type year again, and he's going to get paid. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm, I'm paying him $50 million a year now and giving him $230 million guaranteed, maybe even more, because that's what Deshaun Watson got. And I think that that's the barometer now. Yeah, I love, first of all, that he showed up to camp at 230 pounds. He's he's built, He's he's he looks poised for a big season. He's got all the pressure on him, but I see him thriving in it. Um, and I also love the, the talking point that you brought up that, you know, uh, Baltimore can't get receivers that – that Lamar's never really thrown to somebody and they, they pick apart his ability to throw the football when in reality, why aren't we not blaming the front office for surrounding him with, with more talent and, and more skill position players. And um, so I, I, I agree. I think Lamar's headed for a huge season either way. We're talking with Jeff Kerr covers the NFL for CBS sports. Um, I saw you tweeting about the Cowboys and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on the show that already there's this microscope um, on on Mike McCarthy and 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 he's going to have to win realistically uh, to get into a uh, a Super Bowl potentially to keep his job with Sean, Sean Payton waiting in the wings. Are we going to experience an entire season's worth of us just watching so closely how this team is coached and their ability to stop committing so many penalties? Yeah, this is why I can never take the Cowboys seriously. Like last year, I said, okay, they're good but are they great? And I kept saying to myself, especially in December, do they beat anybody that can match them or is that their talent level? And when they played the Cardinals in the off to them, I'm like, okay, well, the Cardinals are in a free fall and they just beat the Cowboys. So that kind of convinced me of that. Then they go and commit 14 penalties against the 49ers and have this most boneheaded play at the end of the game and lose. And they're still doing the same thing in a preseason game. I, for some reason, I watched, all three hours of that atrocity of a preseason game Saturday <laughs> night with backups. And every time there was a flag, it was penalty, penalty, penalty. And people are blaming the officials. I'm like, no, it's not the officials. It's the Cowboys. They, they, they just make these boneheaded mistakes. Uh, I'm more worried about who their quarterback is if Dak Prescott gets hurt because Ben Danucci, we, we know what he is. He's not that good. And Cooper Rush stinks too. So, you know, maybe bringing an Andy Dalton back would have been smart for them. But – there's a lot to worry about this Cowboys team going forward. I mean, they got star power. They got good players. They do have Micah Parsons. They, they, you know, for all the criticism about Ezekiel Elliott, he still is good. Um, Dak Prescott is, to me, he's underrated. I think he is a really good quarterback. C.D. Lamb's about to take that next step. Dalton Schultz is good. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. You know, they got, they got a top-heavy roster. But why don't they don't get the turnovers this year? 
that they relied on last year. Why does it Trayvon Diggs still gives up a, a chunk of yards but doesn't get the interceptions to go with it? Yeah, wh- what's going to happen with this offensive line? Uh, you know, they lost Lael Collins. They got a lot of weaknesses there. Oh, and the disciplines are still there. Uh, you know, the discipline issues. So they won 12 games last year. Is it fair to say they won't win 12 this year? I mean, it seems like they creep down a bit in the NFC East. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how you could say they improved this offseason. Maybe somehow – um, they'll be as good as they were last year, but I, I don't see additions. I see mostly subtractions. And like you, I'm worried about that offensive line. Um, Decel, our producer, thinks the Zach Wilson injury is a perfect example as to why uh, quarterbacks just shouldn't, uh, starting quarterbacks shouldn't step on the field in the in the preseason. I, I tend to think just from zero experience, but just what I've heard, that it's important that they get out there and get some reps. But um, in a situation like this, now the Jets are left with. Joe Flacco and Mike White, and suddenly uh, week one looking doubtful for Zach Wilson. What do you see the Jets doing, if anything, in the interim to to fix this void? What a freak injury, too. So when Zach Wilson got hurt, I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, he's a little shaken up, but just the way the knee buckled when he took off, it's that's very concerning you're the Jets, and that's probably why a lot of quarterbacks do, or a lot of coaches do put their quarterbacks in bubble wrap. So – Robert Sala is going to have to eat his words here. He said Joe Flacco is still a starting quarterback in the NFL, and guess what? Now Joe Flacco is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Does he double down here and go into the year with Flacco while Wilson's out a couple weeks or however long it takes? Or does he go and I, – I don't think it's going to be that serious now, but you actually go and try to trade for someone your offensive staff's familiar with and Jimmy Garoppolo because he's available. I don't think it's going to be that serious. But, again, we'll have to see how the knee surgery goes with Zach Wilson, but – I just think they roll with Joe Flacco until Wilson's ready to go, where that's week one, week two, week three. It's it's not like the Jets are going to win the AFC this year. Correct. And, it, it, you know, we're talking to Jeff Kerr, and I think um, basically if we've learned anything from this weird injury Twitter, it's not to listen to it. When As soon as the injury happened, we were told by so many, like, uh, well, I, I, I see it's an ACL. It, it buckled underneath him. I was listening to doctors tell me about – what the knee injury looked like on the field. And turns out we don't know anything from afar, but uh, not to be a doctor about it, they're going to get in there and do some arthroscopic surgery, I believe, and they'll figure out how bad it is once the surgery is underway. I think we've spent so much time over these airwaves talking about, I have, Baker Mayfield being the obvious starter in Carolina over Sam Darnold, no matter how they play. And I know Darnold had a couple good passes the other day and threw a touchdown, but... Uh, assuming Baker wins the job, assuming that Matt Rule believes he's the best guy in that room, does he have an actual chance to succeed? And does Matt Rule have an actual chance to save his job based on the success of Baker Mayfield? Well, there's one thing I got to give Matt Rule and Marty Herney and everybody in Carolina a lot of credit for. You did not determine Matt Matt Rule's coaching career in the NFL on Sam Darnold. So, to me, I, I think Baker Mayfield gives Carolina the best chance to have some success. And I like Baker Mayfield. I, I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be, but I also don't think he's good here. But I think on a team like this, if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, he's got DJ Moore, he's got Robbie Anderson, he has an improved offensive line. I, I think he's got a shot, as long as he's a game manager. Because Carolina does have a really good defense, and they are getting J.C. Horn back, and Jeremy Chin's going to be – that I, I just don't like Ben McAdoo being the offensive coordinator there. But again, if they run, you know, they don't turn the football over. Carolina's going to win some games. And it's not like the AS, uh, the NFC South, a, a world beaten division here. I, I'm not sold on the Saints. 
The Falcons are rebuilding. I think Tampa takes a little bit of a step back with their injuries and top bowls, but I still think they're going to win the division. I mean, Carolina could sneak in as a playoff team, and I, I think if they do, that saves Matt Rule's job. So I thought something you just said was interesting. I am also a big Baker fan. I think he is underrated. I think he's had more success than people uh, go back and realize enough. Um, so you're saying kind of that he needs to be a game manager, maybe more so than a gunslinger for them to have success in Carolina. Yeah, exactly. And he's good enough to do that, right? Uh, you know, you don't need him to make these uh, unbelievable Brett Favre-type throws. You just need him to make the plays that are there. And that's what Kevin Savansky did in 2020. And Baker Mayfield has a ton of success with it. For you know, I, I still think the injuries last year played a huge role in that. He was trying to get paid, and he paid through a lot of injuries. I still remember the Sunday night game against Baltimore. I saw him walk into the presser and just did not look right at all. Uh, you know, he was trying to walk strong and trying to hide it just, just from the media, but I, I don't think he could. I think he was beat up in Cleveland for some reason. Cleveland's made a lot of bad decisions over the last 12 months, and I think giving up on Baker Mayfield a little too early was one. Yep, I, I thought they still had a chance to, to come together with him and save it for one year given – uh, they're going to be relying on Jacoby Brissett, even though for some reason they're starting Deshaun Watson in uh, preseason game number one. Uh, Jeff Kerr, uh, he covers the NFL for CBS Sports and the Eagles for ESPN Radio down in South Jersey. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Sounds great, Doug. Thanks for having me on.